With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Red V podcast documentary, bringing you the story of the missing rings, detailing the 1992 and 1993 seasons of the St. George Dragons. Rising from the ashes of the struggles of the late 1980s to rebuilding the most famous club in rugby league to its rightful place. We hope you enjoy this five-part documentary series on an era that was hugely successful at the St. George Dragons and ultimately restored pride back into the Red V. This is The Missing Rings. Part 3, semi-final success and falling just short. Saints had done marvellously well to make it to the semi-finals after many corners of the media had written them off in the preseason. Credit had to go to Brian Smith, who although a hard taskmaster at times, had improved the squad drastically over the last two seasons. Smith, who had studied NFL sides in the United States to come up with dedicated match plans and specific drills to improve set skills, was revolutionising coaching in professional sport in Australia. With the return of key players on the horizon for the semi-final showdown with Illawarra, optimism was the buzzword at Cogra as the Saints prepared for their biggest match since the 1985 Grand Final. Saints were probably in their best form of the season. Two physical and semi-final-like atmospheres against Balmain and West had surely primed the Red V for a big showing. The Dragons had already claimed bragging rights over Illawarra earlier in the season with a classy 21 points to 8 victory in Wollongong. Would the boys from the Steel City be able to extract revenge or would the red and white of St George come out on top? The first taste of the semi-finals of 92. We're down to 40 minutes of action. The Saints and the Steelers in the major preliminary semi-final. Barnhill brings it up. They go down late in the tackle count, and again they look for Simon. Charge down, Collins has got it. What a start. What a start for the Saints. He was left on his lonesome, Simon. Priddle got close first time. 
Collins comes up with a jackpot. That's a good run from dummy half. The Saints have defeated Illawarra 12 times out of 20 matches since the Steelers joined the Winfield Cup in 82. Schifoletti picks up the ball from the back. Down to Potter for another save. No! They get the reply out of nowhere. McIndoe under the post. Right on the 22, and they line up both sides. And both sides like to attack from scrums also. Mark Coyne, great step. Coyne over the top. McIndoe saved it. Pushed back into the end goal by Walford, but it was a try if McIndoe didn't get his hands in there. Wishart off his wing. Gets away from Mackay. He puts the foot down. Heron comes across. Still beating tacklers. Great run. Magnificent effort from Wishart. St George turned around way offside. The advantage is played. Rodwell. Walford and Rodwell gets to the corner now. He lost it. Well, what a run from Rodwell. Only to lose it in the end goal. The Steelers should have had it. Continue to unload. The Saints are not putting them down. Cross will have to hurry. Dragged in. Rodwell. What a chance here. McIndoe will grab a double. Here comes Goulet. Doesn't matter. It has been coming. We have been talking about the ad lib. The confidence. The way they're spreading it. Goulet was too late. But it is out in the backs where they are causing the damage. Triddle to Heron. They might still have a late chance. Heron stands up. Riala will score a sensational try. We're not done with. We are not done with yet. You've got to give a big hand to Prittle. He did something like this in a home game this year. A ball around the back and this put Heron away. Lion Red replay. Watch the clever skill. And Heron showed plenty of his own. Looked inside, in and away, and he stood up Riolo to grab six tries for the year. Dealers looking a little bit tired, a little bit phased. The Saints are coming to life. Prittle, chipping. Potter's there. They need a bounce. Potter's got it. Walford. Walford, they've got another one. Beating spectacular. Oh, the Saints. They have risen from the grave. come up with a big try on the right-hand side of the field. Beatty grabs it. The semi-final on the Lion Red replay is busted open. Potter needed a good bounce. He got it. Great hands to Walford. Riolo came up empty. Plenty of support play. The skipper Beatty improves the situation. What a finish coming up now. The crowd counts down for a bit of Steelers Rugby League history. They go ahead next week to take on the Broncos. But St. George are left pondering what might have been. Murray, as I say, that coach has aged in the last 15 minutes. Now he gets a chance to relax. But the Steelers with a big first half that gets them home. After a promising start where the Saints scored the first try, Illawarra seized control of the game. They consistently broke feeble tackle attempts of St George players who looked out of sorts until the final 10 minutes. The big question heading into the sudden death semi-final with Newcastle was whether St George had the resilience to bounce back from a poor performance and keep their season alive. 
Newcastle would pose a few issues for the Dragons. St George had been thoroughly outclassed at Cogra earlier in the season, where the Knights had walked out of town with an upset 23 points to 12 win. In Robbie O'Davis, Matt Rodwell, Brad Godden and Paul Harrigan, they had class all over the park to worry St George. A worrying trend, however, had developed at St George during 1992. A few times during the season, they had lost consecutive matches after an initial loss. This was the case in two blocks during the season. They had lost just one game after slipping up against Canterbury late in the 1992 season, so there was hope from Dragons faithful that the club could turn it around. In a tense and tight battle that epitomised semi-final football, the clash went right down to the final second in an end-to-end battle. The sun peeping through as big Paul Harrigan warms up for this clash between St George and Newcastle. And we're underway for the first 40. Beatty wasn't watching, Walford's got the intercept. Walford dancing around, leading a merry chase. Well, Beatty would have had it cleanly if he had have kept his eyes on the ball. Godden is hurrying, so are the St George chasers. Herman grabs it. He beats the skipper Beatty. Not McCoy, he loses it. This is what happens in semi-finals. It could be goodbye this time. They're all offside, Newcastle, Goulet to Heron to the corner. Back in field for Davis. they got away with it, Newcastle. Glanville, Glanville. Gets it back and keeps it alive. Gotten likewise for Sargent. Sargent a one-hander back, Hagen, great ball. Rodwell Harrigan. Great save from Watford who came off his wing. They were gone if he managed to unload. Dying seconds, this is the last throw. Hagen to the end goal, who wants it? Did he get it down? No. Newcastle were coming home strong. St George will be happy to see half time. Just the one goal in it. Schuster missed out by inches at the death. It is two all. Semi uh, grand final position and he's putting himself under pressure. Ha! Here goes Sergeant. I thought it was Harrigan. Back for Harden! Yes! Now, was it momentum? Was he short? Annesley with a big call. Herman taken by Walford. I don't think his momentum was stopped. The ball was mid-air. He bounces up. Why can't he reach? Still short of his own halfway. Coin. Quick hands from the sights. Mark Coyne tries to get it away. Gourlay picks up the dregs. Goes infield. Outside the 22 on the last tackle. They have numbers to the right. The Saints. Hands required and quickly. Coyne with a floating long ball. Took too much time to get there. They kick to the end goal. Herman goes back. Herman and Welford. Herman away from one. Away from two. Away from three. That is a memorable run from Tony Herman. Still, they look for the try and not a field goal. Newcastle defence is everywhere and holding. Goldthorpe, right up the middle towards the post. This is perfect. Peter Coyne is deep to the left. They go to him. Does he have time now? He's got plenty of time. Somebody remembered. They worked it finally. Saints break the deadlock. 
three to St. George. Peter Coyne created some extra room, sent it sailing down the middle, and maybe the hopes of a grand final chance still. The dummy from Goldthorpe. Now it's the last tackle. They will try and keep it in the end goal to get possession back. Peter Coyne up the middle, Hardy! Hardy, no, inches away. Was not a bad option. Clever play from Peter Coyne to Hardy. Was great play by, by Peter Coyne there. They, even though the Newcastle Knights have got possession now, they are in disarray. There's no formation whatsoever. The Saints are just sitting back there saying, come here, fellas, we're waiting for you. Collins will play it with 40 seconds only. They should be able to eat up time in what is the lowest scoring semi-final in a long, long time. 30 seconds only. The great city of Newcastle survived a massive earthquake last year. It doesn't look, though, their football team will survive the famous red and white strip of St George. Maybe there is one last throw of the dice. 15 seconds, the scrum will pack. There will be one play left. Maybe not. St George are taking their time. Annesley is calling them over. Forget about it, it's gone. Newcastle out the back door. St George survive in an absolute incredible finish here at the stadium. The Saints stay alive. Newcastle are finished. Mark Coyne, a battered hero for the Saints. Newcastle played much without the ball in the second half at the wrong end of the field. Heron kicked a goal and Peter Coyne, the winning field goal for St George. Schuster got a goal for Newcastle. Three points to two. Schuster saw little of the ball in the second half. The Saints got together in a gutsy display. Plenty of character in their performance. After the dramatic win, Captain Michael Beatty and Coach Brian Smith spoke about their emotions on such an important day for St George. Mick, how does it feel? All of Sydney's going to be riding on your shoulders now. The great white hope of the Sydney Premiership against two teams from out of town. Yeah, it's feeling great actually. You know, I walked in there today and uh, Eric Cox actually said to me, geez, there's 34,000 in here already. And I came in and told the boys, mate, and I think they grew another six inches. Uh, you know, it is a good uh, bonus for us and uh, let's hope they keep participating. Is it driven into that way of training? Is it great tradition of St George and all those years of premierships? Is it that the way it's going to be, us against them? Well, I guess so, Graham. I think it boils down to that eventually because, uh, you know, where the guys have got to get out there and perform. But, you know, it's, it's like a, a very hard job now, mate. You've got to perform from Monday right through to Sunday and uh, you really just worry about your own game. And I think uh, players like Ricky Walford today, their job is on the line, mate, and they bounce back credibly. What does all those premierships mean, though, for St George? All that fabulous tradition we read about Illawarra, Newcastle, Brisbane, the great support in their cities. What about the fans of St George? Well, you know, I, I know they're just uh, dying to see us win it. You know, I, I walk around the streets now and they, they're pulling up in carloads yelling out to you. The buses, the bus trips into the games, there's people bibbing on the expressways. And, you know, it was an awesome sight today to see uh, probably 30 or 40 buses from, New, from Newcastle arrive. We arrived in our one, but, uh, you know, our support was still here. I think the tradition's there. We get people coming from all over the country. And uh, as far as Darwin, I think they'll be riding Saints. Is this it for you? Is this, is this last throw of the dice, 92? <laughs> Well, mate, you know, I was just sitting out a few tears in my eyes out there when the Hooter went today, actually, and I think a few boys got it on film, but, 
you know, I, I'll just sum it all up, mate. I, I think if we can keep going and get me into grand final, mate, what a way to go out. You know, it's been a great club to me, the great tradition. I can walk around forever saying that I was part of the St George history and uh, that's not a bad way to go out. Brian, how do you describe the win? Oh, mate, it was hard fought. I thought gutsy is probably a good word to describe the way we, we had to really turn things around because at half-time it was looking a bit dangerous for us. After last weekend, you had to turn it around. You took a couple of chances. You made some late changes. Yeah, not so late, Graham. We basically knew what we were going to do by uh, Tuesday. And uh, it took a bit of courage, I've got to say, to do that. But it, it worked out for us. It doesn't always, but today it did. Maybe the hype gets built up now. We've heard all week long about the, the city of Newcastle behind the Knights, uh, the, the fans down in Wollongong behind the Steelers. Uh, what about uh, the great white hope being St George against those from out of town? Yeah, well, I've got to say that I just can't believe the number of people who write and fax and ring our club. Uh, maybe they don't all get here because they're so far flung. I guess it's a, a sort of... Uh, uh, a reflection or, of those great days when St George were, you know, won all those competitions and now people are far flung all over the place. I actually got a, a fax from Somalia this week and people in New Zealand, the whole lot, you know, and we know we've got hundreds of supporters, thousands of supporters out there who want us to do well and, and I'm real pleased to uh, be able to, to look at them and say thanks for all your support and uh, keep coming. We need more support yet. The Dragons have pulled off a remarkable semi-final win with defence playing a huge part in the trialist semi-final. Saints had been pumped up pre-match with Brian Smith showing a video of the legendary Liverpool soccer side of the 1980s. The focal point of the video was the enthusiasm and excitement that the Liverpool players showed to teammates when a goal was scored. The Dragons were encouraged to do the same. It was pretty evident that the video had a positive effect, especially when teammates mobbed Peter Coyne after his match-winning field goal 15 minutes from full-time. Brian Smith had again shown his football brain in the lead-up to the clash with Newcastle. He kept his selection cards close to his chest, so much so that until the deadline for team selections at midday on game day, he still hadn't settled on a lineup. After naming Ivan Henjak at halfback and Brad McKay at lock during the week, he made last-minute changes with Noel Goldthorpe and Jeff Hardy slotting into halfback and lock respectively. This proved to be a masterstroke, as the aforementioned Goldthorpe and Hardy were two of the best dragons on the field. Illawarra was the ultimate task. The scarlet and white of the Steelers were standing in front of the Dragons' dream of playing in their first grand final since 1985. Just two weeks had passed since the Steelers had outmuscled and out-enthused the Dragons in the major semi-final. Since then, Illawarra had been down by Brisbane, who awaited the winner of this game. The jostling for spots continued, with the likes of Rex Turp, Tony Smith, Jason Donnelly, Rad Mackay and Matthew Elliott all named on an extended bench for the Red V. Whilst after a stylish performance in the halves, Noel Goldthorpe was preferred to veteran Ivan Henjak. After grinding its way to a nail-biting win against Newcastle, St George believed they had their mojo back. In a tense grand final qualifier that again went right down to the final whistle, the Saints and the Steelers went end-to-end -end in a classic at the Sydney Football Stadium. He's dragged back. He's got no right to get that far, Graham. That St George defence is too spread. 
Schifoletti, Simon, Tietze, Pincinelli, great ball, Wishart, coughed it up, try goes begging, that was lost. Goldthorpe will settle for a midfield bomb. Who wants to get underneath that? Treadle nearly got a hand on it. It's not knocked dead. No, knock on. Treadle must have got his fingertips to it. The fans didn't see it. McCallum did. Welcome back. Wolford. Right at the death of the tackle count. Gets the try. Shot by the Steelers. Didn't come up with the numbers. The Saints did. Some might think there's a little bit of justice. If they still want to argue with the earlier recall. Lion Red replay. All they had to do was take out a man. Walford will not score an easier one. They've got to keep doing it. Even up the middle. Izzard was nearly gone. Rockwell is not. He will be recalled. McCallum was right on the spot. The Saints live. Well, that ball was debatable too from Tietzel on that replay. Whether it was a bad angle or not, I'm not sure. Goldthorpe. Peter Coyne to Beatty. Stopped. Restarted. Throws it out. Walford to the corner. Won't make it. They got there in big numbers. They had to. Wishart, great move. And great cover defence. Goldthorpe was on the spot. Well, Graham, sensational play. That's what the Steelers have got to come up with. Get, get away with all this niggle stuff. Spin the ball out wide. McIndoe, they give a chance to McIndoe. He had support. He had an unmarked man on the inside. Six more tackles. They've got to keep their call, Rodwell. Wishart on Heron. Wishart does him, but loses his feet. They've got them at sixes and sevens, but can't finish off. Rodwell to McIndoe, loses it backwards over the sideline. So far in the second half, it's a case of the Steelers just can't put the try on the board. Well, I think St George can... Uh, everyone should... should uh give their, their winning pay if they do win this game to Mick Beattie. Simon up the middle! Mark Coyne gets there right in front of the post. Quick play the ball. Which way do they go? They stay left with Neil. The Saints look to be offside. McGregor short ball. Rodwell's got it. No! The second time he gets called back. I must admit that looked good. Now McCallum's in a perfect position. McGregor off the short ball. That one looked more forward. That one was not. We know Brisbane's there. But who's going to join them? McGregor. Flicks it, Wishart. Wishart and Potter. Potter saves this one. Quick play of the ball. St George are all offside. Now Simon, they're still offside and he's let it come up with it. 32 metres out from their own line. McIndoe couldn't get inside quick enough. But they have them busted out wide. If they move it, they've got him. Simon must shift. He must. They do it again. They had 
St. George down and out. They couldn't finish it. Simon to Rodwell. Back for Izzard. Back to Simon. Showed it. Kicks ahead. McIndoe and Walton. McIndoe grabs a try. Unbelievable. Two and a half to go. No, he said he lost it. Walford. Who gets the downward pressure? Ball was lost by McIndoe. That's it. It's gone. St George find another grand final. Greg McCallum made a lot of important calls in this game. Calls that will be heatedly debated, I'm sure, by not just Illawarra, but St George, who thought they had some recalls go against them in the first 40. All the joy belongs to the red and whites from the Saints. They will try and hold the pride of Sydney, try and keep the Winfield Cup in the state of New South Wales and not let it go to Queensland and Brisbane. Dragons had come out on top in one of the most physical and low-scoring games in recent memory. Even the staunchest of St George fans would have looked at you funny if you told them a fortnight ago they'd win two semi-final matches by scoring only seven points. But that is exactly what the Saints did. Uncompromising defence with incredible commitment, ball control and resilience got the Red V over the line. The turnaround of the Saints had been remarkable. The players had no idea how to control the ball when Smith first came to the club at the end of the 1990 season. They would also self-destruct when put in situations such as the preliminary final against Illawarra. Against Illawarra, Saints remained cool under the gallant recovery by the Steelers who gained momentum in the second half. Yeah, it was a pretty tight match as well. They had also had about three or four tries to sell out that game, so you know, they were probably a little bit unlucky. But remember we scored, Wayne Collins took off down the short side and unloaded to Jeff Hardy, put Ricky Walford, who you know, deserved the try because he, you know, he's just scored that many tries. Rick, and uh, it was great for him to get over and missed the goal, but we did enough to hold on defensively. We, we scrambled quite well that day and, and then uh, marched on to the, uh, to the grand final. Despite a grand final still to play, many Dragons players were already euphoric with the preliminary final win. Noel Goldthorpe talks about the celebrations that took place after the victory. You know, when we won that semi to go through the grand final, like, I think we celebrated like we'd won the grand mm. final that day, and I'm pretty sure we did. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we're at that um, Lees Club until oh, until close, so, yeah, we, we celebrated pretty hard. And um, for us just to get in the grand final, and probably looking back at it now, like, I was never confident enough that we were going to beat the Broncos. Mm. Like, we, in the back of my mind, like, I just had that thing that they were too good for us and we weren't going to beat them. No doubt that most of the squad wanted to be able to take that famous walk around the Sydney Football Stadium at full time with the Premiership trophy lifted high. There was a feeling, though, that St George had played their grand final against Illawarra and many were just happy to be in the grand final. 
Even speaking on the week of the grand final, Brian Smith revealed the Dragons were ahead of schedule. Thinking that 1993 would be the season that the Dragons would have success, especially with the amount of money that the club had poured into junior development. Up against a powerful Brisbane side that was more reminiscent of a Queensland state of origin side than a club side. They had stars all over the park and there were question marks on whether the Dragons had the defence or the engine to stay in the game. Ultimately, St George battled gravely for 40 minutes but couldn't stop the Broncos' onslaught in the second half. Here's Alan Langer now, Rothman's medalist, bringing the Brisbane Broncos out for the first time in a grand final. Gavin Allen follows the captain down the chute oozing with class. I think all but two of the run-on side competed in either test match or state of origin football. An awesome opposition for St George today. And now Michael Beattie brings the mighty St George down. Winners of 15 grand finals. They've contested 25. And uh, needless to say, Balance of numbers in the spectator ranks is very much with the Dragons. Watching Jeff Hardy run through the, the streamers. Of course, his twin brothers competed for St George earlier today. Here are the Dragon, will it be? Five to two rank outsiders to win it. Not since 1969 has there been a hotter favourite than Brisbane. Quoted at seven to two on. Kerrigwald is doing a lot of running from dummy half. Good ball up for Gilmister, who is into a half gap. Langer takes over a dummy half. Quickly, Kevin Walters showed it twice. Chris Johns gets put down by Hardy. Last tackle. Langer marshals his team to the left. Takes off. Inside for Gavin Allen. Officer George player. Alan Langer. The Brisbane Bonkers in pursuit of a dream they get a dream start Gurley taking control wide what a great ball Beattie's got support Peter Coyne beautiful Walford Walford what a great try the stadium erupts in red and white the Broncos they get caught on counter attack you can put the Saints in Brisbane jumpers. This was sensational. Lion Red replay. Goulet, he took three tacklers out of play. What a ball. The experience shown by Beattie then to Coyne. And Coyne, what a superb pass to Walford. And that's how to finish. One more tackle. Madison. Gilmister needs to keep it alive. What a great ball. Can. Strength. Step. What a try. two and put it down to an absolutely brilliant Trevor Gilmester pass and look at the confidence to spread it the entertainers of the game doing it in superb fashion there he goes Renoff here comes Potter Renoff will go all the way Renoff Walford's chasing doesn't get him memorable absolutely memorable They try and coach this out of some teams. They say it's too dangerous. Don't try it. 
They did it with a ton of confidence. And they had everybody on their feet. Ranos out on his. Switching play to Cam. Cam will get his second. The Saints are tired, men. And the Broncos continue with a point-scoring spree. Goulet. Goulet! Goulet will be big enough and tall enough to get to the corner. So Goulet puts some respectability into the second half with a try for the Saints. It's gone. The Winfield Cup has gone from New South Wales for the first time ever. It crosses the border up north. Lazarus picks up three out of four grand final victories. Two previously with Canberra and the Broncos. Absolutely smothered by the sporting media. It's gone from the state of New South Wales. And Gilmister was a big hero. Langer was a star. Champagne corks are flying. They'll be dancing for some time yet with this victory. Deservedly so. But it's a fine line, isn't it? When you have to consider the disappointment of defeat. Walford. Missed out in 85, the Saints, and they miss out again. Kerrod Wall is a great first half. Has he done enough to make the Australian team grow? That is a good point. He has to beat his brother, Steve. I call him in the Sunday News over in New Zealand. I, I question whether or not St George had any players good enough to make the Broncos. Langer got a double. Can got a double. Ran off a scintillating try from his own line. Madison, four goals. Walford and Gourlay, the two try scorers for the Saints. My ladies and gentlemen, give him a big hand. Michael Beattie, captain of the Dragons. I'd just like to say thank you to everybody that came today. I think rugby league was a winner. Congratulations to the Brisbane, the champion side. Put a lot of time and effort into that team. We can all say that they're a world-class football team. And I say I'm a very, very proud man to be beaten by a side like that. Just like to thank all my players, coaching staff. Everyone that's been involved in St George this year, right through to Jeff Carr's done a marvellous job. All you supporters that have travelled every game, we love you all. Penfolds Mines, and a big thank you to a very good friend of mine, Martin Newman. I love you, mate, for everything you've done for this club. Look forward to being part of it again next year to you. Thank you. It appeared as if St George had played their grand final the previous week against the Illawarra Steelers. That was the opinion of their lock, Brad Mackay. I think that what stands out for me is that we played our grand final in the semi-final against the Illawarra Steelers. Mm -hmm. Um, Brisbane Broncos were just an incredible side. They they had every single one of their players, I think, was either Origin or Australian representative. Um, and um, we weren't. You know, we had, uh, I think, Mark Coyne, myself, uh, were only, the only representatives in that team. I think the next year we had David Barnhill and uh, Scott Goulet represent the state. Um, I think Ricky Walford also played one Origin game, but we, we were we were so down on on those quality players and Brisbane was so flushed with them. Uh, they had them on the bench. And um, so we were outclassed, but we had played uh, above ourselves all year. And, and that's why, because Smithy's preparation, Smithy's game plans, which not a lot of clubs did back then. Every single club does now. Mm. Uh, he was he was a bit of a pioneer with that. But um, we, we were just well prepared. And I think we sort of, 
you know, run out of steam after we beat Illawarra Steelers in the previous semi-final, and um, and they're still dirty on that. St George could be proud of their performance during the 1992 season. Had it been any of the other Winfield Cup sides they had come up against, there is a good chance the Saints would have come out on top. In the first half, they held the Broncos to a 6-4 deficit. Ricky Walford scored a smart try after a quick dash down the flank, while the edge defence battled defiantly against their much stronger opponents. At half-time, it seemed apparent to coach Brian Smith that he and his side was fighting a losing battle. Noel Goldthorpe talks about the words Smith uttered a few days later as they reviewed the loss. I remember after the grand final, Brian Smith, we had a meeting after the grand final a couple of days later and he he, he said to us at halftime, he goes, when you boys come in, he goes, I knew we were done. He said, I could tell mm. by the look on your faces, you just worked so hard for the first 40 minutes. Mm. He said, I just knew that, yeah, it wasn't going to go well. <laughs> One of their most consistent performances, Tony Priddle, however, had a tough initiation to grand final week and the eventual grand final day. Plagued with severe anxiety and nerves, Priddle was barely able to lift up his legs once he ran out onto the Sydney football stadium. Years later, he was able to get to the bottom of what was going on, but in 1992, he was confused and devastated. I know for me personally, um, I, like... I didn't even turn up on grand final day. I played my game in the two weeks leading into the grand final. Mm. Well, that was just, that was just pure, um, yeah, in your head, mental uh, fatigue. So I didn't know anything about this when I was back in 92, even though I was getting a sports science degree, I was working with a sports psychologist, didn't have a clue about the mind. And now I look back with the, with the amount of, um, information I have now and the amount of research I've done and the amount of coaching I've done, like it was, I was purely in um, fight or flight for the whole week leading into the grand final. I was nervous the whole week leading into the grand final. So my nervous system was running amok and I had no ability to recover. Mm. So my mind was running amok and my body thought it, I was going to be dying. This is literally what happened physiologically in, mm. in that state. So when you're in this fight or flight, you've got no ability to recover. So I wasn't getting any sleep leading into the grand final. So I went to the club doctor and got sleeping tablets um, because I just couldn't shut my mind down to actually be calm enough to deal with that process. And so it would be, it'd be classed as anxiety these days. So I get to the grand final, I run out onto the field and I can barely lift my legs up. Like it felt like I had concrete legs. I had literally no energy. You, like you couldn't, like when I look back at the game uh, and how I felt to what was going on inside my body, just you couldn't notice it. But I literally thought I had concrete legs. And that was you know, like devastating because I'm the biggest game of the biggest game of my life and, and I mentally played it before I even got out there. The loss of Priddle's normal effective impact was felt in the Ford pack and St George struggled to stay in the game during the second half. In a well-beaten side, Scott Gourley had played very well. 
The tall second rower bagged a try late on to add respectability to the score and earlier set up a try for Ricky Walford. Had Alan Langer not played so masterfully for Brisbane, his name would have been in consideration for the Clive Churchill medal. It was a day that he revealed where everything went right for him. I did have, like some games, everything seems to go um, uh, right for you and you've got no idea why. But uh, yeah, so it was one of those games that everything seemed to go well for me, except we didn't win the game. So, But yeah, individually, I probably had one of my best games ever. To try and drown the sorrows of the loss, the Dragons went back to their spiritual home of the St George Leagues Club after the match. Much to their surprise, they were welcomed back as rock stars, with the team bus not even able to get through the front gate. Tony Priddle explains further. We pulled up in the bus and we couldn't even drive in the front front um, mm. driveway of the Leagues Club because there was too many people there. And we're going, like, I mean, I'm coming back going, we lost. So, you know, like, it's going to be a very sombre night and yeah. whatnot. And we couldn't literally drive into the front of the St. George Leagues Club. So guards, security guards had to come out and clear the way for the bus to get out. And then security guards had to chain link their arms for us to get into the club. There was that many people there. So that was a big, um, you know, like a big eye-opener for me going, oh, well, we lost, but people were still out and about going, oh, my God, we had such a good season. Mm. So, and then what happened in that leagues club that night was, like, beyond a 21-year-old's wildest dreams. To St George fans, the players were viewed as heroes. A side that was basically given no chance of making the semifinals, let alone the grand final, had defined expectations. Throughout a memorable 1992 season, St George had beaten sides deemed as more successful, having more money or better player lists. It was a sense of accomplishment that the Saints had come so far during the season, defying expectations and instilling faith and pride back into the St George name and club. With 1993 on the horizon, there was a feeling and a hope that the Dragons were going to be back in business and on the path to go one better. It was no surprise then that not long after that 1992 grand final, Brian Smith was back to work with that little desk light at Cogra Oval flickering to the wee hours of the morning. This concludes part three of the Missing Rings documentary. Don't miss part four being released shortly as the documentary delves into the 1993 season. With a new dawn rising on the St George Dragons, there is hope and confidence for a stellar season ahead. Part 4 will be released on the 30th of September. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.